0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is Halo's Hot Stove on AMA30. Your home for the most in-depth angels news and insight all off-season long. Here's the first one on Rendon, and he swings and drives the ball deep down the left side, and that ball is out of here! Ground
1: lifts a high fly ball, that ball's carrying deep out into left center field. It is out of here!
0: From Angel Stadium, here's your host, Trent Rush. Angels Recap Halo's Hot Stove Edition is on. Yes, my name is Trent Rush. Glad to be with you. Hey, look, it's Tuesday at 2. That means we're listening to Halo's Hot Stove, part of the Angels Recap Podcast as well, which, by the way, to those listening on the radio right now, I invite you to check out the Angels Recap Podcast. Before we even get into our show today, Want to really encourage you to go do that. So we had an awesome conversation last week with Mickey Moniak, and uh, we had a good time talking a lot of different details when it comes to baseball, his mentality, uh, what he's focused on, what his approach is going to be like, how he's going to find ways to cut down the strikeouts moving forward, and uh, this is going to be another kind of outfield-centric conversation today here on the show. So um, if, you're list- if, if you're listening to this on the podcast right now and you missed Mickey Moniak last week. Go give that one a listen, and then it might make more sense to tune into this one now. Uh, If you're listening on radio, well, just stick with us, and then when we're done, uh, you'll be able to find that conversation with Mickey Moniak. And this is something that we're going to be doing a lot here on uh, the radio and on podcasts moving forward. We want to have as many different ways for you to be able to listen to Angels baseball and uh, really get to know these players. And that's what we spend so much time in the offseason doing, is getting the chance to get to know the guys on a deeper level, And break down maybe some some areas where the Angels are going to find ways to improve in 2024. It's absolutely a focus of the organization and the Angels are going to be counting on a lot of internal pieces to be able to do that moving forward. Now, I bring up the outfield today because, to me, the outfield may be one of the most interesting places the Angels have on the field, just because, obviously, you have the three-time MVP, Mike Trout, in center, and then what do you do in the corners, and is there talk could Mike Trout potentially move to a corner? I know that that's been discussed before, I don't necessarily foresee it happening this year, it could, but... I do think that it's worth bringing up. There is going to be a point in time in Mike Trout's career where he ends up in a corner. I don't know if that. I don't think it's going to be in 2024, but that day is coming. But I look at the Angels outfield and. You're wondering what is Taylor Ward going to be like when he comes back for this 2024 season after uh, he got hit in the face with that baseball and, and suffered the you know the dramatic injury that he did it's going to be tough for Taylor Ward to be able to feel comfortable again in the batter's box and that's one thing that you just can't put a number on how to project what Taylor Ward's going to be because there's that that psychological component. I think physically we're going to see the same Taylor Ward we've seen before, and you know know how capable he is. And if he can get past the psychological hurdle of dealing with that injury from last year, then I, I think he's going to be fine. We just won't know that really until we're about halfway through spring training. I mean, that, that's that's just the reality of it. And you hope all is fine. You hope all is good. And, and if there's anybody that I got faith in that's going to be able to shake that, Taylor Ward is that guy. But you just don't know. So, who are the other pieces in the outfield that you're counting on? Well, we talked to Mickey Moniac last week. I think Moniac is going to be really important, certainly against right-handed pitching. Against left-handed pitching, if the Angels end up platooning, Joe Adele all of a sudden becomes really important. And we're going to have Joe Adele on the show uh, coming up in just a couple of minutes. Uh, Before I get into some of the Adele numbers, you look a little bit deeper as far as the Angels outfield goes, and and maybe pieces that we're going to talk about probably a lot in spring training, but maybe not so much uh, when the regular season rolls around, maybe a little bit, you don't know. The Angels did uh, bring on Willie Calhoun, non-roster invite, um, brought him over. And also Jake Marisnick. So these are two veteran big league outfielders that could provide some value. Certainly provide some depth. I kind of think of Calhoun and Marisnick maybe in the the same vein as Brett Phillips. Different kind of contracts, which is important to note. Um, but. I look at those pieces as, as being major league depth pieces that if someone were to get hurt, uh, you have them available. And, and then you have Jordan Adams, who has 80 speed. I mean, you just don't see 80 grades handed out ever. Jordan Adams has 80 grade speed can he hit the big league level that remains to be seen um you go a little bit deeper than that you know could this be the year or a guy like orlando martinez is able to make that jump um and and compete at the big league level um we'll find out what that's going to look like uh, as the season goes on and we struggled a little bit in triple a last year was really good in double a has had a ton of success um throughout his uh, minor league career Could, could orlando martinez end up getting a shake at the big league level i don't know but that's that's kind of where some of the depth comes from for the Angels. And and you bring on Willie Calhoun and Jake Morisnik to, to be that depth. A, a guy like Deshaun Knowles might be a little bit further away. He's only 23 years old. Um, that those are, those are some of the names, I think, especially heading into spring training, we're going to be talking about quite a bit. But when it comes to Joe Adele, and I want to spend some time talking about this because this, to me, really feels like maybe that make-or-break year for Joe Adele. Now, last season, we barely got a taste of Adele at the big league level. He only had 58 at-bats, three home runs, 207 batting average, a 706 OPS. Now, what we saw in the minor leagues for Joe Adele last year was nothing short of sensational. And I feel like we've said that a lot with Joe Adele. In 330 plate appearances of minor league baseball last year in A, he had a 961 OPS, 24 homers, 57 RPI uh rbi Uh, you can tell i've been talking college basketball a lot lately that's half a season you extrapolate that that's that's like a 50 homer 120 rbi season and he had nine stolen bases so so could joe adele he was on pace last year in the pacific coast league to hit 50 bombs drive in 120 and steal 20 bags you know all with a batting average of 273 on base Over 100 points higher, 375, and a 961 OPS. I mentioned those are phenomenal numbers. And it's not the first time Joe Adele has put up massive numbers at the AAA level. The season before in AAA, we saw Joe Adele in 2022 in the Pacific Coast League. In just 40 games, he ends up hitting 13 homers and and drives in 33, which and had a 920 OPS. By the way, when I, when I I bring up the RBI numbers, I think there is an important ratio to look at when it comes to home runs versus RBI. I want to see more than double runs batted in than I do homers. Like that's something that I look at. That to me is kind of a barometer. If you're if you're gonna hit 24 homers, I want to see 50 plus RBI. I mean that's just kind of where I'm at when, I, when I'm reading the the value of guys that are you know that have mastered the arts of driving in runs. And I think that you look at the minor league numbers, you think Joe Adele might be one of those guys. We just have yet to see it at the major league level. And could this be the year he makes the jump? Every stop Joe Adele has made throughout his career, when he has mastered a level, he gets the next one, takes him a little bit, sometimes longer than others, and then he he ultimately figures it out. And we'll go through this uh, with Joe coming up in a minute, but I mean, makes his major league debut in 2020 at 21 years old, and had some embarrassing moments in the outfield, and didn't hit either. And I think that you know the speed of major league baseball was significant. It was a hard adjustment. 2022 comes up, plays in 35 games. Again, just a taste, and that's where he's maybe he had his most success. Uh, was in that 2021 season. Now, again, only 35 games, hit four home runs, drove in 26, 703 OPS. 2022, that was really the best shake he got, played in over half the season at the major league level. Only had a two twenty-four batting average that season. But again, he was 23 years old at that time and had spent so much time dealing with making defensive adjustments and working so hard on that and making that an area where he was so much more comfortable. That's a hard thing to do. And then you get into his 2023 season, where I mentioned before what he did in Salt Lake, in the Pacific Coast League, absolutely tore it up in A. Gets the major leagues, what happens? Suffers an oblique injury almost immediately. And we never really got to see Joe Adele's progress materialize on a big league diamond. And I think now, you know, 2020 gets his first chance 2022 gets you know a little bit more of a taste or 21 gets a little bit more of a taste 22 half a season so you're thinking everything's going pretty good 23 feels like a step back now this is going to be his fifth chance coming up to the major league level and you just kind of feel like maybe now is the time for joe adele to make that step forward. We're going to talk to Joe Adele on the other side of this break. we got a lot to get to here on this Angels Recap Hot Stove Edition here on Tuesday, January the 16th. My name is Trent Rush here on Angels Radio AM 830 and the Angels Radio app. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. Angels Recap Hot Stove Edition rolling here on Angels Radio AM 830, the Angels Radio app, and also those tuned into the Angels Recap Podcast. Come one, come all, however you want to take in the show. We're glad you are doing that. All right, we promised you before the last break we were going to have a conversation with Joe Adele. I want to share that with you now. Uh, We spent a lot of time, Joe and I do, here in this chat uh, just going through a lot of details about his offseason work and what it's going to take for Adele to be able to make that leap we have seen the numbers at the minor league level can he make it translate to the major leagues and this is a very important year for Joe Adele it's an important year for the Angels to see Adele make that progress and if he's going to do it well now is his opportunity so here now is our conversation with Angels outfielder Joe Adele Joined right now by an Angels outfielder. We've been talking about Joe Adele for a long time. Looking forward to seeing Joe Adele at the big league level. Put together what we have seen him just dominate every level of the minor leagues. And we have seen the flashes. And now we're looking forward to seeing uh, a consistent Joe Adele getting it done to the big league level. He's got a big opportunity this season. And we're really excited to have him uh, on today. Joe, what's going on, man? How's the offseason been?
1: Trent, what's going on, man? It's going great. I'm uh... Obviously, for me, the uh, the grind doesn't stop. So uh, I've had head down uh, on a plan since the season ended. So uh, ready to get going. Yeah,
0: I gotta say, man, you are a workhorse when it comes to we we saw everything you did last season when it came to just working so hard defensively. This year, like, has there been maybe a different point of emphasis for you? A different way you're going about your your plan of attack and the workouts?
1: Yeah, so I think uh, kind of my goal going into the season or going into the season this year, and um, kind of how I plan the offseason uh, was to, to just really find that rhythm of work that I could use throughout the entire season. You know, so a lot of things that I'm working on is um, ways for me to, um, you know, continue to have that level of consistency that you know I know is there, and and just making small adjustments to my approach and what I'm doing as far as the game goes to be able to have um kind of a uh, a very consistent level of play throughout the season, so for me this off season I focus really on what makes me tick what makes me get into that mode to produce at the highest level that I can on the most consistent basis that I can so I've really taken uh this off season to really focus in on those things that maybe I was missing a little bit last year um obviously, you mentioned. The defensive part was huge for me last year, the improvements that I made. So just kind of running with those and continuing to do the things that allowed me to be that good in the outfield, um, as good as I know that I am. So, And uh, offensively, you know, honing in on that approach, you know, honing in on that approach and to be an athlete. So for me, I'm excited about what's to come.
0: What's the day like in the offseason? Just can you walk us through, like, what is, what is an offseason workout day like for Joe Adele?
1: Right. So what I normally do is I wake up at 7 a.m. And um, I'm actually staying at an apartment complex where I have a cold tub. So what I'll do is I'll go down in cold tub in the morning uh, for about 10 minutes. And now it's actually kind of brutal now because it is, you know, sub 40 degrees in the morning. So it is extremely cold. <laughs> but that's just a way for me to, to wake up and, and, get, and get rolling. So I'll jump in there for about 10 minutes. I come back up. I'll make my breakfast. And then um, depending on the day, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I'm on the field. So Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I'll have hitting on the field and defensive work. And on Tuesday, Thursdays, I'll hit in the cage. So one of the two, every other day there's either field work or there's cage work for hitting and fielding stuff. Um, Once once that's done, I'll kind of give myself about 30, 40 minutes, kind of get my feedback under under me, and then um, I'll go – catch, play, and throw, depending on the day. I'm, I'm not really at long toss yet, so I'm around you know 90, 100 feet three days a week, somewhere around there. And then um, once that's done, I'll come back and eat lunch, make a shake, and then that's when my lift starts. So the sprint portion of the lift, three days a week, um, and then I'll have my lifts three to four days a week, sometimes on the same day that I sprint, so... All that done probably around four o'clock, three thirty, four o'clock, somewhere around there, and then, um, yeah, just kind of recovery, uh, make dinner, and and roll into the next day. So.
0: Man, I you so okay, I'm going to stop complaining about my little 45 minute workouts I do in the morning because those, those will take me down, but that's a that's a full day right there and we're talking of course. No, every,
1: every everybody has their own <laughs> rhythm to it, you know. what i mean? I'm a little I'm a little psycho with the workouts. So, I think uh, <laughs> I think everybody has their own own rhythm to it. Um, I got you know, you. my my girl sometimes will be like, "Hey, you 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 need to slow this down a little bit. This is this is this is getting this is getting out of out of control, but, you know, and, and I'm like, okay, you know, we'll, we'll have to slow it down. I give myself a Sunday. I give myself Sundays off. Okay, Sundays off, Saturday's a little bit lighter every day. We'll say that.
0: Okay, I like that. Uh, by <laughs> the way, <laughs> that's, that's, that's a good plan right there. Okay, so, uh, you mentioned the defense a moment ago. I, I gotta tell you, Joe, seeing you, I, I've been following your whole career, I think, I, I think I met you like the day you signed with the Angels. I mean, we've been, I've been watching your whole career, and I've seen you play really well in the outfield so much. And then in the major leagues, you get that first taste. And, and look, there's no no hiding from it. There were there were struggles out there in the outfield. And I know that you took on the challenge of being able to show everybody what you can do and how hard you worked to get there. And I thought last year uh, what you were able to, to demonstrate the big league level defensively was such a dramatic improvement, maybe more improvement than anybody I'd seen in baseball, to make that kind of a jump what do you think the difference was for why you were able uh, to play at that level last season compared to where you were before?
1: Right. So so one thing I'll talk about when it comes to like major league outfield, now that I've been around it a good bit, I guess, um, versus minor league um, stuff. But the, but the first thing's first, like I've always been able to make like the great play, right? So like yeah. that's one thing, you know, I, I've been able to jump over the wall and make those plays and make the plays that are very difficult, right? So – It's almost as if, like, for me, the first couple of stints in the major leagues, I I had issues with fairly routine plays, right? So, like, I was having issues with plays that were kind of just, like, chalked up, like base hit type of plays where I was misreading the ball and not getting the right read in the grass or whatever the case is. Stuff that I – it's just not characteristic of a guy that can make the -the over-the-wall grab and make the diving grab, you know, that I made in Tampa – just not really characteristic of that type of player, right? So, I had to go back and kind of just take a peek at like why why is it that it's that differently? Well, the circumstances are a little bit different, right? So, like in the minor leagues, you don't have you know multiple decks on a baseball field for the most part, right? So, like if I'm hit, if I'm getting a line drive hit at me, I'm not playing um, multiple sections right on a minor league field, right? Like you've got to you know if I'm playing left field and I get a line drive, it might be caught in the third deck, right? Like underneath a light or something like that. You know what I mean? So playing as far as like how you're visually seeing it, the visual is a lot different in the major leagues than it is in the minor leagues. And so that was kind of the, uh, the first thing that I had to get used to was, you know, how the park plays visually on line drives and fly balls. It's different. It's not the same. And so that was kind of the first bit of like a wake up call is, I'm going to have to visually help myself and give myself cues for how to play certain balls based on which field that I'm playing at. Same thing with the grass. You know, like in the minor leagues, the grass is a lot higher. The ball moves a lot less and not as fast. You know, so plays are a little bit easier to make because of, um, you know, grass height. Just small things like that. And, And for me, you know, one guy that used to be an angel who helped me really take my defense to the next level was John Jay. To this day, you know whether or not you know he knows it or not. I think I've mentioned it to him a couple of times um, when I run into him at a couple of events. John Jay really helped me take my outfield to the next level. You know, he got with me, and um, I think one year he was up with us, and then he was a player coach. And this was before he went to Miami.
0: Yeah.
1: And he grabbed me and he goes, "Hey, man, what I want you to think about is I want you to think about playing the outfield at grass level." And I was like, "Wow, that's like an interesting thought." He's like, "Yeah, I want you to feel like." You're so low to the ground that you're almost a part of the grass. And so, what it helped me do is it helped me really stay low and it helped me read the ball better, right? Because as a taller guy, I'm six foot four. Um, sometimes you play, you try to play balls standing too far up, standing straight up. And so, kind of being able to get with a guy who has played gold glove level outfield for a year and just spitball with him and kind of get to the bottom of what am I feeling? What do I want to feel? And how am I trying to see this ball come off the bat? And then once I got to that, it was my athletic instinct that kind of just took over. Um, as I continue to work. So I think it's a mix of everything, but as far as me, like I've always been a very good defender, right? right. I had a hiccup or two for a couple of years in the outfield because of learning how to play with these fields and the circumstances. Sure. So now I think I really have, you know, a gauge, especially last year, um, towards the tail end of the year before, I really kind of just understood now, like, what these plays are and how the ball will move and how to play it.
0: I don't know that a lot of people realize, and you're going to have to help me out a little bit on the timeline here, but I know that for so much of your – kind of youth playing days and really through most of your high school career you were a pitcher right and making that adjustment like what what, how did that kind of play out when you went from from being a pitcher to you know kind of being the, the slugging outfielder that you are now
1: yeah so you know coming through you know some of the amateur days you know in high school I had a great arm you know it's something that you know I still have a good arm to this day but You know, that's what I worked at. I worked at, you know, my velocity and my arm strength. And for the age, you know, 14, 15, 16, right, like teams wanted me to pitch. You know, it was about at that time about how hard the pitchers were throwing. It was about if you had a good arm, right, then they would look at you to pitch. And that was kind of where all the focus was drawn, I think, for me. And I'm a competitor, so it worked for me. I wanted to compete. I wanted the ball in my hand. I wanted to do that. Uh, but I think one thing that was overlooked I think during my high school career or at least the start of it, was my ability to hit the ball out and for power i think um I think it was the most frustrating thing when i was <laughs> when I was twelve, thirteen, fourteen, you know fifteen years old, up into probably i guess junior year, that was one thing that was just overlooked. It was like dude like this this guy can like hit the ball where no one else can, and I think for me, I wanted that on. I wanted that center stage, you know. I wanted people to understand that, yes, I can go pitch, you know, but I'm an offensive threat. And I wanted that. I wanted that to be a thing. So again, it was, you know, me putting on my, you know, putting on my grind jacket and you know getting out there and, and making it happen, you know. And there were multiple teams that I couldn't play for when I was younger because they didn't think I was a hitter. Hmm. You know, they, they didn't even they didn't want me to hit on their team. You know, I won't name those teams, but again, it was. It was a grind in itself. It was like a, you know, when I struggled with outfield, it wasn't the first time that I struggled with something and had to overcome the adversity of, you know, maybe what people thought or, like, what, like no. Like, that's part of what I do is if somebody thinks I can't do something, I'm going to prove that I can, and I'm going to do it for not just to prove to them but for myself. And that's what I had to do when teams were like, this guy's not a hitter, he's a pitcher. It was like, no, like, if anything, I'm both, but I can hit you know, and, I, and that was, you know, around that age, 15, 16, you know, once I turned 17 years old, it became, hey, like, this guy's, like, real at the plate, and um, and then it just never stopped from there, you know, I, I continued to to make that, you know, make that known, and so, um, I think for me, it's just like, you know, it's, it's for me, you know, I do this because, you know, I love to play this game, and I love to compete at a high level, but, when there's a little bit of doubt, man, that's when I really turn it on. So um, yeah, that's just kinda how it's kinda how the switch happened. And the other thing is, is that you know when it comes to pitching, you can't just throw fastballs over the middle of the plate. I think I was a guy that was leaking. I, I think I maybe was uh, starting to leak a few, a few too many over the plate. So
0: you, you, you can get away with it at fourteen. You get away with the less at sixteen. Yeah,
1: you, you get away with it with a good arm until uh, until a certain levels. So.
0: Yeah, for sure. I'll tell you this though. I'm ready to to go make some grind jackets right now. I'm going to go get some. I think that maybe it's like old school starter jackets. I'm just going to put "grind" on the back and start wearing those around. I like right, that.
1: That's a one liner right there. <laughs>
0: Very, very good. You know, Joe, you you mentioned something interesting, and I kind of want to get into this, because following your career, at every step of the minor leagues, when you were making your ascent, it was you come up, you, you struggle a little bit, and then for whatever reason, I don't know if something clicks, I don't know if you were just able to make the adjustment, but then you take off, you clearly like complete the stage and then you're on to the next one and sometimes you know the the struggle is like a week sometimes the struggle is a few months sometimes a season and then you try to find your way and then when you get it it's really impressive we've seen you do that at every level and now here you are at the major leagues what do you think it's going to take to get that click to happen at the big league level like we've seen you do at every other stop of your career yeah so I think
1: you know as as you go to the minor leagues um, you know, first things first, you know, at every level there's a different challenge, right? It's like what we talked about with the outfield stuff, right? Like in the big leagues, the challenge is that you haven't played at these parks, these pitchers you don't know yet, right? And the setup is a little bit different, right? And so, like, as you go up, whether it's rookie ball, low A, high A, there's always going to be, like, some some level of challenge, right? Now, what that is, whether that's more of competition or circumstance, or whatever it is, there's going to be that level of like, hey, like I've got to make an adjustment or figure out what I can do to try to make myself better, right, to, to give myself a little more comfort. And, that, and that's really the big thing for me. The big thing for me is once I, you know, whatever level it's been through the minor leagues, now in the big leagues, whenever I reach that level of comfort and routine and um, rhythm and, and chance, Right to where I'm out there every single day right doing something sure. that's when that's when I take that that next step right that's when it always has had, had happened right you know now i'm I'm looking forward to the opportunity to be able to be a part of something every single day, right to where the circumstances for me don't change, right to where I'm able to go out and compete um, at the highest level and know that hey in and, and a certain point in time. My rhythm, my work is all going to come together because I've been here consistently, right? And I think for me, that, that's what I'm shooting for. I'm shooting to make this team and to be a consistent piece, right, to where I can go out every day and, you know, I have my plan. You know, I know what I'm doing. I've seen these guys before. You know, I've played at this field before. I've been at this level. Um, and so that's really that's really why, that's really what I'm looking forward to the most. Um, I think that's, what's really going to take this thing off is just being out there and having the ability to showcase what I've got and also the comfort and routine of being in routine every day, having my routine, knowing what that is. Um, and you know, quite frankly, not having to worry about, you know, leaving. Right. And so, and that's, that's really, that's really what it comes down to. So once I get in that routine within enough opportunity, um, I think things are
0: looking up. So, I'm right there with you when you you talk about all those different things. And I was excited to see that because I thought that was going to happen second half of last year when when you when you were up. But then very quickly into your stint, you end up suffering that oblique injury. Did you feel like that was a blow to progress for you, or how did you how did you attack uh, dealing with uh, an injury like that? Uh, knowing, man, it's like man, I finally am getting my consistent shot here, and then this happens.
1: Yeah, so, you know, there was there was kind of a lot leading up to that. Um, you know, but I think for me, yeah, it was frustrating, you know, I was, you know, that that was a prime time for me to get out and compete um and do that type of thing. Um, for me though, I don't believe um in necessarily a blown shot, right? Like because for me in this game and how hard it is in professional sports in general, like you can't view yourself as only having a shot. Right, only having a shot puts too much pressure on yourself to try to overly perform in one moment. You know, for me, I believe in my skill sets and what I'm capable of. And obviously, the uh, the injury was a blow. I think I think part of that injury um, happened the day before when I robbed Max Muncie. I think um, when I made that play after, I think I had maybe a little bit of stretch go on there, and then obviously came in and hit the next day and. Um, just aggravated it a little bit more which caused the injury but i think um i think that obviously that you know it, it was it was a tough situation that i had to deal with that man like i had you know a line of 30 40 games in front of me that you know i i missed out on the opportunity for but hey you know i believe in what i can do you know i believe in um my abilities my ability is rare um and so I know that once I come back and once I got back healthy, I was going to be ready to roll and I was going to make an effort to finish the year out. And I said, I don't care if it's a week, two weeks, five days, you know, if I can come back and play and finish and know that I'm leaving healthy, that I was going to do that. So um, I think it's just one of those, again, it's one of those, you know, bumps in the road where, Hey, like, I got to pick myself back up and keep going. And um, that's what I did. Um, And I had, you know, great family support, um, by me all the way through, and and that's where I uh, that's where I continue to uh, to improve and continue to move forward.
0: Man, you talk about that kind of stuff that that resonates. I don't think just for Major League Baseball players. I, I think that that can resonate with everybody. And you know, just hearing you talk about just the you know kind of the philosophical approach there. I mean, and there's Joe. I mean, you've had this. You've been a leader at, at every stop throughout your whole career and and before professional baseball. I know that too. Um, when I think about this young group and the energy of the young Angels, not just you, but with Mickey Moniak, and, and I spent some time with Logan Ohoppy and, and Zach Netto, there does seem to be a different energy with the group of, of young players that it just kind of feels like are all on the verge of, of breaking out, and maybe 2024 is that season. I hope so. What do you get from being around those guys? And do you maybe sense some of the same things I do when it comes to, to the opportunity that this, this young core has to ascend?
1: No, I think it's great. I think it's great. I think, you know, the cool thing is I think me and Mickey um, are kind of in that same mindset of, hey, look, like, we don't really care what has happened. We're not really concerned about, you know, what has happened with us personally or, or what the situation is. We know we can play this game and we're ready to go and just let it loose. You know, we're not worried about, you know, what the failure is. We know there's going to be failure. There's going to be success. There's going to be triumph. um, There's going to be some failure. We understand that, right? And so I think, like, when the timidness has gone away, which I think for a lot of the younger guys it has. You know, Big Hop's been out there. He knows he can man it behind the plate. He knows he's going to get up to bat and give us um, big swings when we need it. We've seen him do it, right? Like, Neto is going to have those – Unbelievable games, and he's going to be able to hold it down for us in the middle of the field the way that we know he's capable of. It's exciting, though. It's really exciting. You got big Joyce. You know, we're excited to see that guy come in and, and be as dominant as we all know that he is and was at the start. I think. Um, I think the reality is, is is you're going to have a lot of guys that are hungry. You know, if, I think for the first time in a little bit. I think in years past, um, it's you know maybe not as been as hungry for. Victory and triumph as maybe we can be as a group. And I think um, I'm hoping to see that. I'm hoping to be a part of that. And we've talked as a group in a group chat. Guys are excited about it. You know, guys are are excited. They're there. I mean, Nolan, I mean, come on. You know what I mean? Like, this guy came up, has had no time, absolutely zero time in the minor leagues, and comes up and hits borderline 300 where you can hit him leadoff and he just got drafted, I mean, you, you've got a group of young guys and it's special, and they click, you know. So for us, I think putting an expectation out there, I think the expectation is to go out and play free and play loose. And I think if our young crew does that, that's where we start to shock some folks. And so I think that's I think that's going to be the, the mentality, um, is, to, is to go out, play loose, play athletic, and make something happen. So... Man, I you saw I'm I, excited
0: I am too. I've been saying that. I've been saying this on the air, but Joe, it's different when it comes from you. It's different when it comes from the guys that are actually going to have something to do with this. That are, are going to, you know the way you guys see it, I think it, it's really cool, really exciting. Before I let you go, though, uh, did want to just, you know, the off seasons, that kind of time, you get to spend time with friends and family and and get the support of the loved ones. Uh, I see you posting pictures with Jasmine all the time. How uh, how are things? How are things going? How are things going there? Are you ring shopping these days? What's going on?
1: <laughs> no, it was great, man. It was great. Um uh, I mean, me and Jasmine are great. Um she's a wonderful girl, man. We celebrated last year. She's a you know, Pepperdine graduate, um biology major. Dang. I mean, just think about that. I mean, from Pepperdine, it's I mean, that's that's getting after it. And I told her I said, Hey, I don't I don't have that um, I don't have the time to to scroll through that many uh, books with that much information (laughs) I said, but I'm glad that you were able to and retain it. So just really proud of her. Um, She's working her tail off and um, you know, it's, it's been really cool. She understands me. She understands my schedule and you know, really gets me as a person, right? Like I think during the year for me, you know how serious that I am when it comes to my baseball stuff and like getting my work in and like making sure, everything is uh, is where it needs to be, especially during the year right so um being able to spend the last year and a half where she's been around during the season has been just really cool for me uh to be able to kind of relax, you know know that I'm supported and um and kind of give me that balance and so I'm just really glad that you know she's with me and and that um, she's just been such a help you know as 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 a part of you know our family now so. Yeah, it's been great, man, and, uh, got to spend some time in Costa Rica on vacay this off season, which, um, was really, really fun, I really enjoyed it, um, such a beautiful place, it's like the middle of the rainforest, almost, we were in, so, but, uh, I, t- I told him, I said, hey, after about a week, uh, a week and a half, I start to get a little itchy, <laughs> you know what I mean, so, <laughs> it's like I was like, this is, uh, this, is, this has been fun, but we gotta, we gotta head on back, so, um, no, but it, it's all good, man, it's all good, and, um, that's a part of it. You know, it's like we talked about, man, is being in the right place. And so when you're in the right place, the right things will happen. And so I'm excited. So,
0: Joe, you got a lot of guys rooting for you. you got a lot of people out there uh, that are looking forward to seeing your success. And, I, you know, I, for one, am somebody that, look, when you put in work like that, you want to see the dividends there. And I know that we're going to start seeing uh, more of that coming up in this 2024 season. Joe, we'll, well see Well, I'll out- tell
1: you what. Out of all the work, man, out of everything that's, that's put out, I'll tell you this, man, you got to be willing to put that level of work in without the guarantee of success. That's what it is, man. It's a gamble. You know, I do this because I'm not guaranteed it. If you were guaranteed success by every bit of work you put in, then you would automatically automatically be successful, right? That's not what this is, man. I do it because this is what I'm about, man, and, you know, I hope to reap the benefits of what I do. So we go out and and we're going to make things happen, man, so...
0: Let's go. Between listening to Ron Washington and now, Joe Adele, I'm ready to go. Like, just fight for anybody. Let's let's get after it. Let's do it. <laughs> we'll see you out in Arizona, Joe. All right, thanks, man.
1: Absolutely, thanks, Trent.
0: Man, that's good life perspective. When you think about, you know, just because you work hard doesn't mean you're going to get the results. I love hearing the maturity of Joe Adele, be able to bring that up and mean it, believe it, and commit himself to. Yeah, you got to embrace the work. You don't take one day for granted in the major leagues. And you get this opportunity. You're blessed with this chance to try to make it in the show, something everybody dreams of doing. And is that not something we all can take into our lives? It doesn't matter how hard you work or how talented you might be or how great somebody tells you you are. There's no guarantee that you're gonna have that success. But if you believe in yourself, if you put that work forward and you do everything in your power to put yourself in position to be lucky, in position to get a chance, well then usually things are gonna work out for you. Joe Adele has gotten shots before, but this this no question is his best opportunity, his biggest opportunity, and the Angels are counting on Adele. Like, you know, this guy was the number two prospect in all of baseball. And, you know, this is kind of that year that, that if Joe is going to take that step forward, it needs to happen sooner rather than later because the Angels need that. The, the Angels, I know, could use his power in the lineup. I mean, we, we read off the AAA numbers a little bit earlier. I mean, the fact that you extrapolate his AAA season last year, he would have, if it was a full season down there, he would have hit 50 homers, driven in buck 20, stolen 20 bags. I mean, that plays. But you got to get to play at the big league level. There's been a lot of talented players through the years that have put up the AAA numbers that have not made it at the major league level. But could this be the year for Joe? Well, you just heard him talk about everything he's doing uh, to prove that he is ready. Now is his time. And, you know, this is going to be it for Joe Adele to, to be able to make that jump. I mean, now he's 25 years old. You know, we, I think we forget how young Joe is. I think we forget that when we first saw him come up in 2020 in that COVID season, as as screwed up as everything else was about that baseball season, you're bringing up a, a 21-year-old Joe Adele, and you're having him play with with Mike Trout and Shohei Otani, and, you know, there, there was pressure and, and – the pressure of this organization, of okay, this is a this is a make-or-break year for on so many levels, that's hard to deal with. But now that Joe's been around it long enough and and understands the pressure of the major leagues, I, I think that we are going to see a better player for that. I certainly hope so. I think Joe is an easy guy to root for, and there have been growing pains. And I kind of think of it like this, you know, we have we have seen Joe every step of the way, from the day he was drafted to how he was, you know, projected as being a top prospect to following his minor league career very closely to seeing him have some bumps and bruises and things not go his way at the big league level. It'd be a fun full circle story to see Adele have that success. And sometimes when when you can think about the hard times and when you've seen and experienced the hard times, it makes the good times that much better. I'm really hoping that's the case with Joe Adele and for Angel fans to get a chance to experience that this season. Okay. One more quick break. When we return, we're going to go through some other moves the Angels made earlier this week. They did make some news on the international front. We'll get into all of that as we come back here on the Angels Recap Podcast. Angels Recap Hot Stove Edition on Angels Radio AM 830. And, of course, don't forget this. So important. The Angels Radio app. Go download it if you haven't done it yet. We'll be right back. Angels Recap Hot Stove Edition is back here on AM 830, the AM 830 app, and those listening to the Angels Recap podcast as well, thanks for doing that. We're going to be with you uh, every Tuesday at 2 on the Angels flagship station, AM 830, the home of, of Angels baseball. You catch every game. You can check out Roger Lodge in the afternoons, and and for those that maybe are, are new to following along on Angels baseball, uh, I host Angels Recap, which is a show that we do after every Angels home game, and it's a call-in show. And and the game ends, uh, you get a chance to pick up the phone. You call 714 283830 and you give us a ring, and we talk Angels baseball together. And we've been able to build an Angels recap family over the last handful of years. And uh, I really love the opportunity to take in that time with you. I know in the offseason we don't get quite as many chances uh, to talk Angels baseball, but we do get this uh, hour every week. So I cherish that. I, I relish the opportunity to be able to uh, talk about this team. Look, I am a Southern California guy. I was born um, in Fullerton. I grew up in Anaheim. I, I went to high school and college in Orange. I live in Orange now. I'm five minutes from the ballpark. I mean, uh, this is home for me on, on so many levels. So to be able to uh, spend this kind of time talking about the the hometown team that I grew up with, and you know, getting a chance to uh, meet so many of the people that have been a part of uh, like my childhood, and I know that you know, especially to those listening to the podcast right now, um, I, I know a lot. Of you are like me, like I grew up like with the Angels and the Outfield Angels and then through the 90s and experiencing uh, that. And I remember those struggles that the Angels went through in the 90s. And then it just made 2002 so much more sweet. I didn't get a chance to really. I know there, there's the diehard Angel fans out there uh, that have been following this team for a lot longer than I've been alive for. And know the pain of uh of 86 and all these all these other teams especially in the 80s and 2002 was so much more rewarding and, and what was so cool about that O2 team and, and you know they just had the 20th anniversary a couple of years ago and so many players came out for that and that was really special to see that but part of what made it cool is that it was a group of guys, most of them came up together, developed together, and became just that that hometown core that hadn't really spent a lot of time anywhere else. It wasn't a team that was built through free agency. It wasn't a team that was built through a whole bunch of trades. So there were some big trades. Adam Kennedy came over to trade. So there were there were a few of those moves, but it wasn't like this was a team that you're just, just building it on the fly. There was an evolution. And, you know, players that were drafted, developed in the system, made progress through the system, got to the major leagues, and got to the opportunity, or got to the point where they could win a World Series. I don't want to compare this group with the of the Angels to that. I, I don't I don't think it's a straight comparison, but I do think that there are some parallels. I think that there are some parallels to the fact that you have this young core of a Neto and an Ohopi and a Shawnawell and a Moniac and a Adele and a Silseth and a Detmers, um, Sandoval. These pieces that have made their way through the Angels minor league system. Some of them the Angels took you know, after pretty much going through somebody's other system and spent a little bit of time in the minor leagues for the Angels before getting that chance. But I, I think about this group and the amount of homegrown talent that is here. I'm really looking forward to seeing um, how they progress. And I think that's what this year is going to be on so many fronts. It's going to be how does this team progress while you also have star power in Mike Trout, three-time MVP. You're hoping Anthony Randone can stay healthy and you can get Anthony Randone to be the Anthony Randone we've been waiting to see for the Angels. And even if he isn't, there are other pieces that are gonna, you know, be able to contribute there. So, you know, and, and then you, if you have all that and you able, or if you're able to find the right mix, and then you get to the trade deadline and there's a chance to to go make a big splashy move, then maybe you do it. But I'm looking forward to seeing just these homegrown halos make their way um, through their big league careers and to do it together. And I do think that there is a culture shift. I think Ron Washington brings that. And I think Logan Ohapi brings a lot of that. I I think that Ohapi is one of those kind of culture catalysts, if you will, that is going to be able to... To, to really be uh, somebody that, that's going to rally players that is going to spend time talking to them in the off season and meeting them and getting to know them on a deeper level and being able to create the right team energy where, you know, winning is an expectation winning is demanded and a winning culture is something that I know the Angels are working really hard to bring back to this organization it's 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 time to do that uh, the Angels have tried a lot of different ways to do that and now it's another way of going about it and and doing so on the homegrown front and and doing it with a, a core young player that has a chance to be a star I really believe that for Logan O'Hoppie now I I also want to pump the brakes just for a second on you know deeming Logan Ohapi a star today. I think he's got um, every he's going to have the path to potentially eventually get there, but I do think that we maybe want to temper expectations a little bit on that front, just because I mean he has such limited major league experience. But, you know, I, I think that we've all seen enough of of Neto and Ohapi and Sean Owell and Moniak and Adele and Silseth and Detmers and Sandoval to know that there, there might be something here. I've been calling them the 25U squad. It's because it's I'm a believer uh, that there might be something there. All right. Um, the Angels picked up 15 new players, and that was through the international uh, signing period yesterday. Yes, they signed 15 international free agents um joshua lugo is the one that kind of jumps out at you uh, baseball america has been at number eight i know he's top 40 by mlb.com it's kind of inconsistent how some of those rankings uh, get revealed but the angels also picked up three other top 100 guys according to baseball america hayden alvarez uh Graylin de la paz and humberto tibiri so And uh, their positions, uh, Lugo's an infielder, Alvarez an outfielder, De La Paz is an infielder, and then uh, Tiberi is a catcher. So, all position players. Uh, The Angels did sign a handful of pitchers as well. Um, One, two, three, six, seven of the 15 were pitchers. So... Yeah, they're bringing in some pitching talent, and you're hoping that some of these pieces eventually become important prospects and, and you know, maybe one day very valuable big leaguers uh, for you. You know, the international draft is where the Angels got Nelson Rada a year ago, who right now is the number 3 prospect in the organization, so... This international draft, or not, it's not really a draft, the international signing period is a very important time. And it's clear that Perry Manassian has, has put more of an emphasis on that. And when you know, you're know you talking about a top 10 guy this year in Lugo, when Rada comes in and and right away becomes a top three prospect in the organization, that goes to show you the Angels are doing their homework in the Caribbean, in, in Latin America, and they're working really hard uh, to bring Bring on top international talent, it's a very competitive space. A lot of teams have recognized that's where quite a bit of winning is done. Is finding pieces internationally, they're going to help you. And the Angels are, are one of those clubs that are certainly investing quite a bit in, in being able to do that. So um, we don't know what kind of a day it was for the Angels. We'll find out in three years or four years or however long it takes. But by all accounts, I mean to sign four top 100 guys and one guy in the top 10. That's uh, pretty good progress and. Uh, Congratulations to Perry Manassian and his entire staff on that. Well... Before we say goodbye here on the Angels Recap Podcast and on Angels Recap Hot Stove Edition here on the radio, once again, we'd like to invite you to check out some of our other podcasts. We had Mickey Moniak last week. We're going to have a bunch of really cool guest talk with Angels players and coaches pretty much every Tuesday at 2 on the radio, Angels Radio AM 830 and the Angels Radio app leading into the start of spring training. We're going to have a bunch of spring training baseball coming your way on the radio. Uh, Terry Smith is going to be uh, on the call and uh, well, I don't know who's necessarily going to be with him. I'm going to be out there for quite a bit uh, in spring training. Uh, Some of that stuff's still being worked out, but Mark Langston uh, and Terry Smith will be back when the regular season comes along and we'll be uh, just kind of getting those those baseball vibes once again. I mean knocking down the door of baseball season coming. Less than a month from now pitchers and catchers report, if you can believe it. So baseball season is here. There are a lot of preparations already underway uh, here where I'm at right now broadcasting live uh, from Angel Stadium. Of course, the podcast is not live, but you know what I mean. Uh, having a good time talking some halos and getting ready for the start of what should be a fine 2024 season. Hey, thanks to every one of you for being with us here on the show. We invite you on radio to stick with us. The Sports Lodge. The Roger Lodge is coming up right after this. And to those checking out the podcast, go download some of the others and be a subscriber. Give us a rating, a review. All of that helps. Have a great rest of your day. My name is Trent Rush for Elise Diaz. Thanks for joining us. This has been Angels Recap, Hot Stove Edition on Angels Radio AM 830 and the AM 830 app.